Matthew 27. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. Cold-hearted, amen. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for, for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. Boy, I just, there's just a, I just picked up a sermon right in what I just read right there about Judas. Shut up, Jeff. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and brought with them the potter's field to bury, bought with them the, the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, uh, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused, when he was accused of the chief priest and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him, Never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas, and destroyed Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. Let me remind you, many of the people that were standing here that said, Let him be crucified were the same ones that were praising him when he made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Uh, Self-righteousness will get you nowhere. Amen. Uh, he washed his hands, but he was just as guilty as the rest of them. Amen. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. 
Some of this stuff is in my notes, so pay attention. Notice they put on him a scarlet robe. What color is that? Red. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns and put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put, put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. His own raiment. What color was that robe? Blue. And as they came out, that was the robe of a rabbi. That's why people called him a rabbi, because he, he was a teacher. They noticed the blue robe. And as they came out, they found a man of Serene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head the, his uh, accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were the, there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left, and they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. Now, I, I want to ask a question. How many people were there crucified on the day that Jesus was crucified? Huh? Three? So we're all in agreement it's three. Has anybody seen anywhere in the scripture where it was more than three? No. I saw somebody that claimed to be somewhat of an expert I questioned them after reading just a little bit of something that they that they posted. It was on a website. I was looking for something else, and I came across this. Uh, they were saying that there were five. I'm like, there were five. Okay, where was the other two? I was unable to find that in any of the Gospels. And without it being in the Gospels, in my opinion, it didn't happen. Where'd you get that from if it wasn't in the Gospels? The Gospels give the account of the crucifixion of Jesus, and there were three people. Now, <clears throat> I wondered before, I wondered how many people, maybe this was the first time they had crucified three, uh, or maybe this was the first time they had crucified multiple ones, but I actually read uh, a historical account. There's been as many, they had crucified as many as 2,000 people at one time. So that kind of blew that one out, but you don't you don't see that in the in the Word of God, I don't believe. But anyway, it's a history thing. But anyway, when Jesus was crucified, there were three. It tells you right there. He says, um, "Then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right and one other on the left." How many is that? One, two, three. That's not that hard. Three. Where they get five from? I don't know. Made it up. It's in the Book of Me, I guess. But. Uh, they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross, mocking him, you know. Likewise also the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, 
Let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. <laughs> Arrogant. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Can't you detect the sarcasm in their voice there? The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land under the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. Can you imagine being there in that day? And the graves were opened. This is very interesting to me. The graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. Notice there's a key word right there, after his resurrection. It happened after his resurrection. They kind of threw this in there. You know, you kind of, there's a little bit of back and forth there. But this happened after his resurrection. I'm not preaching on this tonight. But you remember when Jesus said as, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Jonah. As Jonah, he said jo Jonas in the Greek or whatever, but he says as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart, uh, um, in, the, in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the where? Of the earth. Okay? When he went to the heart of the earth, what do you find in the heart of the earth? That's where heaven used to be, or, or it's called paradise. Uh, there was two chambers. Uh, one side was for the saved. It was a place of rest. The other side was called Sheol or Gehenna. It was a place of punishment. Remember the story about um, the rich man and Lazarus after they died and they, they went to, to that place? Um, it said the rich man fared sumptuously in this life, and then when and, uh, Lazarus ate from the crumbs of his table, and then the, the roles were flipped then, wasn't they? Uh, Lazarus was where the rich man wanted to be, and the rich man was begging for a drop of water to cool his tongue. He could see him, but he said there was a great gulf between them. They couldn't cross over. So you see, there was a holdover place. Why was there a holdover place? Why didn't they just go to heaven? Because man couldn't go to heaven yet because the price for sin had not been paid on the cross of Calvary. So Jesus comes. He dies on the cross, and when he goes to, to hell, or when he goes to the heart of the earth, and I believe he went to hell too, because I think he took the keys of death and hell away from Satan while he was down there. And so when he returns topside, when he actually resurrects, when he comes up, guess who he brings with them? All of the Old Testament saints. And so all of these graves were open, and you got dead people, the people that were dead, they ain't dead no more. Uh, they're walking around everywhere, and, and when, I, I believe when Jesus returns to heaven to present himself to God the first time, I think that's when they go. They go up then with him. So they weren't here for very long, 
but they were here. Amen. The people walking around, that's what, that's what this is talking about. There were great graves were opened, and the bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. What a sight that must have been. And when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. <clears throat> and many women were there, beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and, and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. When the even, even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, we were talking about that, Tracy. I couldn't remember if he was rich. There it is. I saw that last night. He was a rich man, and that probably was his tomb. And that's why they called it Joseph's, Joseph's tomb. Or Well, actually, that, that one he was talking about was Joseph. Well, we don't. I don't guess we really know, do we? Anyway, that's another story, something we was talking about last night. And when the evening was come, there was, came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb. I guess it was his tomb because it looks like that's what uh, it says, his, home, his own new tomb. And it was new. Nobody had ever uh, been laid there, which he had hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, which, by the way, if you go, this is something just little, something little that I remembered from reading in other Gospels. Uh, guess who helped Joseph uh, wrap Jesus in the linen cloth and put the spices in there? Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus? He, he, he helped him. I said it's in one of the other Gospels. I can't remember which one. I should have made a note of that. But anyway. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day that followed, the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that, de that, that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure... Oh, why? You don't believe in the resurrection. Why do you want to make it sure? <laughs> Command that it be made sure. Lost my place there. Until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, ye have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can, as ye can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Just like it was in the book of Acts, when, when uh, I think it was one time it was Peter, another time it was Paul, and another time it was Mary. No, sorry, Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> uh, no, uh, one time it was Peter, and I believe this happened to Paul too. It don't matter how many guards you got. It don't matter what kind of seal you got. If God's going to deliver you, it don't matter what's in the way. Amen. Nothing's going to stop him. And nothing did stop him. 
So they set a watch. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to draw toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth forth, goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. <clears throat> and they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And anyway, we'll, we'll stop there. I'm not going to go any further than that. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, his disciples ended up seeing him. He appeared before them uh, several times. Uh, I believe uh, the number of times that he appeared to them before, or the, I'm sorry, the number of appearances that he made total in the, the uh, 40 days that he was here on the earth, he, he left before the day of Pentecost was the 50th day after his resurrection. So the 40 days before that, he was here, and I believe he made 10 appearances in that time, in those times. 10 different appearances. And we, of course, we know that at least one time, uh, he ascended into heaven to present himself before God as the lamb without spot and without blemish. Anyway, so now uh, you'll see some of these things in what we just read. Some of these are going to be in the other gospels because it was so many. I didn't try to give a scripture reference to everything, but read the gospels and you'll see what I'm talking about. 20 unique facts. Number one, a more innocent man has never been crucified. <laughs> nobody is, has ever been as innocent as Jesus was and was crucified nobody nobody he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him he knew no sin that's pretty innocent he was born in innocence by the way if you ever run into somebody that uh, starts talking about these new Bibles and they say there's nothing wrong with their Bible uh, ask them what their what the account of the Bible that they're carrying. Ask ask them what the account of the birth of Jesus Christ was. Does it take out the fact that Mary? Does it call Mary a young woman, or does it call Mary a virgin? There's a big difference. Amen. Jesus was born in innocence, and then not only was he born in innocence, he never sinned. He was the most innocent man that was ever crucified. He's the most innocent man that's ever lived. Number two, never before nor never since has both God and man in the same person existed, let alone been crucified or killed. Jesus was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. Now, go figure that. 100% <laughs> man, so he wasn't really a man. He was, he was yeah, he was a man. Uh, he felt the pain and suffering uh, and, and more pain and suffering uh, than any other man that's ever lived. Yet, he could have called 10,000 angels on the cross. 
but he died alone, the Bible says. He died for, for us, and he was truly alone. Remember when we read, uh, uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why did he say that? Because God had to turn his back on his own son because he couldn't look upon the sin. When the sin was actually laid, when the, when the final uh, setting of the sin was put upon Christ, his, own, his son, he couldn't look on him because God and sin don't go together. Jesus took all that sin upon himself for our salvation. Amen. So number three, Jesus chose the time he was arrested. You remember over and over, I've preached on this before, but over and over and over again, uh, if you go back to uh, uh, you know some of these other chapters, the, the previous chapters, uh, in any of the Gospels, you'll find no man laid hand on him, a hand on him. Why? Because his hour was not yet come. His hour was not yet come. It said that over and over and over again so many times. And why? Because Jesus knew the exact time uh, when he was going to allow them to take him. He knew the exact time when he was going to die. He knew the exact time. He knew when he was going to be arrested. Uh, and they weren't going to be able to arrest him. The Bible said over and over, over and over again that it looked like they had him dead to rights, like they were, you know, they were trying to in the middle of a crowd or whatever he'd been teaching or something, and they would be offended. They would try to get him. Uh, and the Bible always talked about how Jesus just kind of, you know, he's almost like he was, uh, uh, you know, on Star Trek. Scotty beamed him up or something. You know, he just disappeared. <laughs> he disappeared into the crowd. Uh, why, why was that? Because Jesus chose the time he was arrested. And until, it, until he said it was time, it wasn't time. Amen. Number four, Jesus was probably the only person ever on trial to be crucified or during any capital punishment. See, this, this was a capital punishment, uh, one of the worst ever, probably was the worst uh, capital punishment ever. Can you think of anything? Have you ever sat down and read what they actually do to a person when they crucify them? I was reading, and I, I got different opinions on this uh, from from other people, not my own stuff, but just stuff I was reading about historical stuff, the way they crucified people. They didn't do it the same with every single person, but you ought to go back and read. So I don't like stuff like that. Well, maybe it'd be good for you to read it. It might make you realize all the more what Jesus went through to save us. Uh, it's horrible. It's horrible what, what they went through. Anyway, um, it was a capital punishment, but Jesus was probably the only person ever on trial to be crucified or for any kind of capital punishment to not defend himself at all. Nowhere in the Gospels do you find where Jesus tried to defend himself. We read it just a minute ago. Uh, it says, when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered what? Nothing. Not a word. Knowing that he, was, uh, he had all the facts, he had done no wrong, uh, he had not sinned, but yet he never defended himself. Why? Because it wasn't about, to him, it wasn't about uh, the fact that he was innocent. It was about the fact that we were guilty. <laughs> That's why he did it. Number five, Jesus was the only man who ever lived who knew how he would die before the time. He spoke often of his death, didn't he? He told his disciples how he was going to die. And it was interesting 
that the I guess he did it for our benefit, you know, as us, we hold the word of God tonight. You can look at it and you can read it and we can get benefit from it. But every time he told his disciples about it, it was like his disciples were sleeping or they were, you know, they weren't paying attention. What was that guy? I don't know, when are we going fishing? You know, you know, it's, it's like they wasn't paying attention or something. Uh, it's like it was hid from them. If they had known, if they had known, if God had let them comprehend the fact that Jesus was going to go to the cross, do you think they would have ever let it happen? No. They'd have got out of the country, wouldn't they? They would have took him and moved him, and uh, they would have tried to have stopped it. And so even though he told them over and over again how he was going to die, the disciples never processed it. But he was the only man. Nobody else ever knows how they're going to die. Nobody in here knows how you're going to die. So, yeah, I got cancer, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die cancer. Or uh, I'm a reckless driver, I'm going to die in a car wreck. Or, you don't know how you're going to die. Only God knows that. But Jesus knew how he was going to die. He knew when he was going to die. He knew when he was going to be arrested. He knew when his time was. Amen. Nobody else knows that. Number six, Jesus was probably the only man to ever be crucified that had his clothing changed four times on the day of his crucifixion. In Matthew, it mentions the scarlet robe. We said that was red. And then that of his own clothing, which was blue, the blue robe put back on him, he says. In Luke, it mentions a gorgeous robe, which is white. In John, it mentions the purple robe, and it also mentions the purple robe in Mark. Uh, probably another one, too, but I just remembered seeing that. The blue robe is that of a rabbi or a teacher. The scarlet robe uh, is that, that which represents forgiveness, as in the blood of Jesus Christ. It probably has other meanings also, but these are ones that I have. The white robe, which represents his purity, uh, Jesus was without fault. I just mentioned that. And the purple robe represents royalty. Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. Number seven, Jesus, and this is in a song, and that's actually how I remembered it, but this is all true because it's in the Gospels. Amen. It's in the Bible. Jesus is the only king who had to die for his kingdom to begin. Every other king, what do they do? They go forth conquering and to conquer. And they usually take by, by force a land or a country or whatever, and then they, they install a king. Usually when a kingdom is changed from one king to another one, unless it's just a, the son of a king that has died, there's a prince, and then he gets put in as king, that's different. But most of the time when kings are changed, uh, if it's not within the family, it's a violent overthrow of a kingdom. That's kind of what, when Jesus returns the second time, that's kind of what's going to happen then, ain't it? He's going to come back, and he's going to come back the second time the way the Jews were looking for him to come the first time. He's going to come in power and great glory, and he's going to set up his kingdom. But he's the only king who had to die for his kingdom to begin. Number eight, Jesus is the only king who surrendered to win. <laughs> Number nine, Jesus is the only man ever who had the power to save himself and did not he could have called 10,000 angels number 10 Jesus is the only man to fulfill the law completely while those who had him crucified broke the law completely if you go back and look they had no right 
by Roman law or Jewish law to do to Jesus what they did. They had no proof that he'd done anything. Uh, even the That's why the your Pontius Pilate stood up there and he washed his hands because he knew he was breaking the law to crucify Christ. Jesus broke no laws and they broke almost every law by crucifying him. Number 11. Jesus was the only man to ever use a grave temporarily and never enter a grave again. So what about Lazarus? Ah, that's good. Lazarus used a grave for four days. Remember, he stayed in a grave four days before Jesus resurrected him, but he returned to a grave when he died. Jesus did not. Jesus died once for all. Amen. Number 12. Jesus was the only man to ever know the exact time of his death and chose when that time was. He laid his life down and he took it up again. He didn't lay it down until he was ready. Nobody took it from him. But when he was ready and when the time was right, he laid it down. And when the time was right, he rose again. He took his life up again. He has power to do both and no man took it from him. He gave it of his own power and his own accord, and he took it up again the same way. Number 13, Jesus is the only man to ever enter hell and return from it to the earth. All the other people that were in hell, not paradise. I'm not talking about paradise. I'm talking about the people that were actually in hell, the lost people that were in hell when Jesus went there. Those people didn't return topside. Uh, those people are still in hell, and they'll be there until judgment day. Uh, the great white throne judgment is the one they'll be at. We'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. They'll be at the great white throne judgment. Um, what was I at there? He's the only man to ever enter hell and return from it to the earth. Jesus went to hell, and as, as, as I said before, he took the keys of death and hell away from Satan, and then he re returned from hell unscathed amen nobody has ever went to hell and returned from it to the earth but jesus did jesus number 14 jesus is the only man that never had anyone die in his presence amen you think about that why is it that uh, the uh, the romans came by and uh their uh, the way they would usually uh, do this uh these guys could that they crucify the people they crucified, they could live for hours and hours and hours and hours because they get just enough strength to push themselves up. See, the crucified, when they were crucified, it would cut off the oxygen flow. It would get them where they could not breathe. And uh, suffocating is what actually killed them uh, on, the, on the cross when they were, when they were crucified. But anyway, uh, they would go on and on and on. Well, the Jews did not want them. They were, they were approaching the... Uh, uh, the uh, start of the Passover, uh, they were approaching uh, the uh, Sabbath day and so on and so forth. And the Jews didn't want all this going on during the Sabbath day. So they ordered the, uh, or they asked the soldiers or whatever, if they could, you know, go ahead and finish them off. So they went by to finish them off. And the way they finished them off, they broke their legs so that they couldn't push up anymore and they couldn't get any oxygen. As soon as they broke their legs, it was just a short matter of time. They couldn't breathe anymore. They were gone. Well, they went to the first thief. They broke his legs. They went to the second thief, broke his legs. And when they came to Jesus, did they break his legs? No, they did not. Because the Bible prophesied that not a bone in his body would be broken. 
But you know what? You can go through any any part of the Gospels you want to, any part of the Bible you want to. Nobody ever died in the presence of Jesus. When Jesus came to a funeral, he broke the funeral up and raised the dead. <laughs> uh, when he came to Lazarus, he raised the dead. Amen? Jesus and death don't go together. Nobody ever died in the presence of Jesus Christ. Well, what's going to keep you alive in heaven for eternity? Nobody dies in the presence of Jesus. Jesus, number 15, Jesus became the first man to return from death with a glorified body. Now, how do you know he had a glorified body, Brother Jeff? Well, uh, I'd, gotta, I'd say we have a pretty good idea of what Jesus looked like when they buried him. He didn't look like a man. The Bible says his visage was marred more than any man. That means that he was probably not, he was, he'd been beaten uh, even before he went to the cross. He had been beaten and battered so much. It wasn't like the pictures that you see hanging on a wall. He was beaten and battered so much even before he went to the cross that he was not recognizable as a man. He's almost like, you know, just a piece of meat hanging there. Probably not much skin left on his body. So, when he resurrected from the dead, when he got that body that they put in that grave, which was beaten and battered and hardly recognizable as a person, when they saw him, when Mary Magdalene saw him in the garden, did she recognize that beat, beat up, mangled uh, body that she saw that they wrapped and put in the grave? No, he was clean. It looked like he had on uh, new clothes. He looked like the gardener. Uh, he didn't look anything like, uh, that's the last image that she had of him when he went to the grave. That's the last image. That's the last thing they saw of him, so they wouldn't expect. But when they saw him, the only remaining things that he had uh, that would give you a clue that it was the same person was the nail prints in his hands and the place where they pierced his side. Amen. That's the only thing. But gee, and why and, and why why did uh, God allow that to stay there? Why didn't He? He's got a glorified body. Why didn't He just remove those things? It's a reminder for you and I of the price that the Savior paid for our sin. And I believe He reminds uh, God the Father sometimes too when He's making intercession for us. Why should I do this for them? And Jesus just holds His hands up. Amen. Um. But we're going to have that same glorified body one of these days. Amen? Uh, there won't be no more sickness. There'll be no more death. Uh, there'll be none of those things. We're going to have a glorified body. I'm looking forward to that. <clears throat> 16. Jesus was the only man to reach a point in his life, the crucifixion, when he had absolutely nobody in his corner. Even God the Father himself had to turn himself away from Christ on the cross, because as the iniquity of us all was laid upon him, God the Father could not look upon him. I mentioned that earlier. But he's the only person in his life. People say, I don't have anybody. Well, you have in your life. I don't care who you are. you got more people in your life than Jesus had at that very moment. He had nobody. The whole world had turned against him. 17. Jesus was the only man that sin never defeated. Rather, he defeated it and he had no sin. 18, Jesus is the only man who entered a room without going through an opening or destroying it. Remember in the, in the, uh, the upper room, 
I believe it's upper room, wherever his disciples were gathered, I think it's upper room, they were gathered and the way they were around the table or whatever, they would have known if somebody had come in the room through a door, but he just appeared. How'd he do that? I think we're going to be amazed at what we can do when we receive glorified body. I don't know what it'll be, but you saw oh, that was a, uh, that was William Shatner. That was Captain Kirk that did that first. Uh, you know, Scotty, Scotty beamed him there, you know. Uh, no, that was Jesus was the first one to do some beaming. Amen. Uh, he, uh, he just appeared in the room. He, he didn't tear the wall down. He didn't go through a door. He just appeared. He entered a room without going through an opening. He didn't go through a door. He didn't go through a window. He just appeared. And no doubt they thought they saw a ghost. <laughs> What's that song? What's the Ray Stevens song? Uncle such and such just sat right up. What? Huh? Ned? Uncle Ned just sat right up. <laughs> uh, okay, 19. Jesus was the first man to eat in a glorified body. So there ain't going to be no eating in heaven because, you know, the you'll be a spirit then. No. <laughs> Uh, Jesus could appear in a room like that without, you know, I, he could pass through a wall or whatever. I mean, how did he do it? I don't know, but he did it because the Bible said it. I believe it, and that settles it. Amen. Uh, well, it's settled whether I believe it or not, but uh, but it's 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 true. He did it. But what did he do? One of the times that he appeared before the disciples, they were out. Peter was out on a boat, and I think the Bible said he didn't. He was naked. He was standing out there in his under underdrawers, I guess, fishing. And uh, and Jesus called out to him, and uh, and then Peter started reaching for his clothes. <laughs> but uh, Jesus was up there, and he he told them to cast their net on the other side of the boat for a draw. They'd fished all night. The Bible said they hadn't caught any fish. And at the at his command, they cast it the other side, and they caught a draw of fish, didn't they? Well, then they brought their fish in, and when they got up there, what was Jesus doing? He was already cooking fish for them. And he sat down, and what did he do? He ate with them. He ate the fish. Now, what does that tell you? In your glorified body, what are we going to do in heaven? We're going to eat. Amen? But the good thing about it is there won't be no waste. There won't be no bathroom in heaven. No bathroom. How's that possible? I don't know, but it's, it's possible. He's the first man to eat in a glorified body. Jesus, number 20, Jesus delivered the last... Old Testament saint into paradise. The very last person, I believe, that became a member of paradise for just a very short time, and that would be the thief on the cross. <laughs> Jesus delivered that last Old Testament saint into paradise with him, uh, into heaven with him. When he left, he only got to see the heart of the earth, uh, the paradise, Abraham's bosom or paradise. He got to see it for three days, didn't he? Then after that, Jesus resurrected him. He delivered the last Old Testament saint into paradise. That's just some things that I come across that I thought were interesting. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be dismissed in prayer. <clears throat> Brother Tom, would you dismiss us, please? Church. Message from church today, Lord. Lord, I pray that the uh, quiet.